Hey, Steven. Hi, Katie. How's it going? It's going good. How are you? Good. How's my uh, how's my audio sounding? It's pretty good. <clears throat> cool. Yeah, it's pretty good. Where are you? Are you, you? You look like you have a homework set up there. Are you back in Berkeley? Yeah, yeah I am. Back in Berkeley for a little bit now. Um, yeah. Where are you? Um, I am in Gletherland Campground in Waco Tanks, and I am wrapping up the trip today. Wow. Yeah. I That's climbed, crazy. I climbed yesterday and had the experience where I'd taken two rest days and then went back and tried the project and it like didn't go that well. I felt kind of powered down and I was like, okay, it's it's time. Time to move on. It's going <laughs> to take more than two rest days to have some good goes on this thing. So I think it's time to pivot and move on. But yeah, I'm happy. Yeah. That's good. Good trip out there. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah. I don't know if you know, but I got injured at the start of the trip. Um, oh, okay, yeah. So the first half was like a lot of gym time and physical therapy, but the last half's been awesome. It's been super fun, uh, reasonably successful, got on a bunch of things that I probably wouldn't have otherwise gotten on, which was both really fun and um, just kind of got me like psyched to keep coming back here. There's just so much out there. And I last year I was kind of, I kind of got stuck on a couple Nemesis projects. You know how that can kind of yeah. like make a, it can kind of shrink a place and make it feel uh, smaller or like I have to, to do these two climbs before I can, you know, move on or, or zoom back totally, out and yeah. look at what else is here. So yeah, this trip has been just a reminder of how much great stuff there is to do in Waco. So it's been really fun. Yeah, that's awesome. I feel like Waco is like the land of high density bouldering, which is fun. There's so much. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm ha- it's funny. I'm having the experience right now. I'm like, wow, I'm really sunburned. Like I haven't seen myself. I don't have like a mirror in my van or anything. So this is the first <laughs> time I've seen myself in a few days. I'm like, wow. I, I love got, that feeling. I got, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You're out on a trip, like in the mountains yeah. and you're like, oh, wow, I'm out there. I'm weathered. How, when yeah, did, when I, did that happen? I like, feel like there's a moment where I like go into a coffee shop or something on a climbing trip and I'm like, oh my God, like I stay and out like I look dirty. <laughs> <laughs> How's it feel to uh, to be back in Berkeley after a long trip to Bishop? Were you were you like based in Bishop for a while? Was that were you like kind of home based there, or, or were you taking lots of short trips? Um, kind of um, lots of short trips are short by my definition. Um, I think the last time we talked, I was actually in Bishop house sitting. Um. And then I went back with my parents um, for Christmas. So I was there for like two weeks in December. And then um, then it was like these two atmospheric rivers that made it basically unclimbable. Oh. Uh, and, and yeah. So then I think after that December Christmas trip, I only went back one more time um, for just a week. Okay. Yeah. And got it done. Got the thing done. Got it done. <laughs> Let's talk about it, Katie. I was so, I think I heard through the grapevine um, that you had sent Spectre, which I was just so amped when I heard that. I was like, that is so <laughs> fucking badass. And uh, I, don't, I don't think you've posted about it yet. You're very quiet on social media. I just looked at your Instagram today and I was like, oh, she's she's posted one time since she posted about our first episode. Um, seems, <laughs> it seems like you kind of keep your cards close to your chest, but... But yeah, like, you know, I was just thinking with Spectre 
And for people that are listening from other parts of the world, Spectre's this iconic boulder problem in Bishop, California, first put up by Dave Graham. I'd, I'd love it if you have more information about it. You can tell me more about the, the boulder. But um, it's one of those ones where like the number, you know, like Katie Lamb climbs a new V14 Spectre. It's like V13 or V14, depending on people's size. It's kind of one of those boulders that seems like it has basically two very distinct grade categories, depending on like a height cutoff thing for the beta. Um, but the number doesn't really capture Spectre, you know, it's, it's like, no, Katie didn't, didn't just do another one. It's not just like another V14. This is like uniquely badass. It's, it seems like to me, but, um, why, why, why Spectre? Let's start with that. We talked in our first conversation about what draws you to different lines and why you choose to sink your, your energy into things versus other things. Why Spectre? What was it about that boulder problem that captured your attention? Yeah. Um, I think that it's like one of the most like perfect boulder problems. Like it's kind of like the boulders boulder problem. Um, it is really quite steep for, uh, I guess it's like technically granite. Um, Bishop's a little bit weird, but um, it's really quite steep and there's actually holds, um, which is surprisingly unique. Like, I guess, you know, Waco, you'll see tons of steep stuff with like plenty of pockets and holds, but oftentimes on more granite-like rocks, there's just not very many holds on steeper stuff. So it ends up being like sort of vertical and cryptic. Um, and yeah, and I, I love that style, um, but I think that like the really overhung, like powerful, like you'd find this in a gym type of climb is like so unique. Um, and yeah, it's, actually the only line up the boulder as of now um like to get to the top you have to just do it there's like the down climb is pretty scary honestly um so that that's always really special it's like you walk up to the boulder and it's like wow that is the only thing to climb on that boulder and it's massive mm. um it's like classic bishop like 40 footer huge boulder and yeah i mean it 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 has a great history and it also, of course, like has its imperfections. And um, yeah, I think I think also just like Bishop is is somewhat local to me. Not actually, I'm like six eight hours away um, by car. But I think after doing the swarm, it was kind of like, oh, that's it's almost a bummer that like that was my last like Bishop great one sort of um, because I thought I would never be able to do Spectre. And then uh, kind of in the last year or so, it, it was it entered the realm of possibility um, in a really exciting way. Mm. I, I want to expand on some of those things that you just touched on. So it's a boulderer's boulder problem. I want to hear you expand on that a little bit and describe it a little more, like what that means to you. And then why is it that you thought you would never do it? Yeah. Um, yeah, first of all, I think um, it's just like, I think... For example, I I tried it with uh, ravioli biceps. <laughs> he, he who shall not be named, <laughs> ravioli biceps, and uh, he he was doing so well on it. And I think it's because like he's like the quintessential like powerful boulderer. Like obviously really good at moonboarding, maybe the best in the world at moonboarding, and it translated so well. Um, and he actually did it with like the the harder jump method, um, and made it work for him a lot better than the like traditional heel or toe method. Um, and yeah, it's just like so powerful and it, and it's skin friendly, um, in a weird way. Um, 
while still being like this like massive move and it's just like you have uh, a set of feet and a set of hands and there's like pretty much no deviation from using those you can't get around it obviously there's two methods now one where you heel hook um or toe hook or like toe cam and the other where you jump um but essentially it's it's the same fold set um no matter who you are mm. and um yeah and in that way i think it's like that's what boulderers really love like the powerful movement single line um skin friendly uh pretty much great conditions on it all the time as long as you're there in the winter um this year it's been really wet but for the most part california bouldering you get good conditions um and yeah i think just like juxtaposing it to yosemite um that's where I spend a lot of time as well. It's like in Yosemite, it's like the Lynn Hills of the world are are going to do great on the bouldering there because it's so cryptic and it's like um, just takes a lot of learning and you can't kind of like use raw power to get through it. Mm. And that's actually why I like Yosemite bouldering um, more, but this is definitely sort of, uh, yeah, as I say, suited towards the boulderers um, and takes, you know, a lot of, it takes a lot of, of know-how but also you just need to have like a physical level um in order to do it yeah it's it's kind of amazing i mean like you said it's a massive boulder and of course the overhanging face isn't the entire boulder but uh but even that the overhanging face is huge and it's like three moves it's like three or four huge moves to get through this huge stretch of steep climbing it looks so crazy yeah (laughs) it's pretty insane it's like you you come up to the boulder and you're like, how does that even exist? Like it's just dropped out here um, in the middle of Bishop. But yeah. Do you want to describe in a little more detail the heel hook, toe hook versus the jump method? Is that just a pure like height cutoff thing? Like I've I remember seeing Carlo Traversi's post about Spectre. And I think he was the first person that I remember that was like, you know, consensus is V13 on this boulder. I'm taking V14. I had to do the jump. It was one of the hardest moves I've done. This thing felt like V14. And I'm so psyched I did it, you know? And I was like, oh, that's really cool. Like, you don't see people take a personal upgrade very often. And it seems like he really he really deserved it. And anyone below a certain height deserves it. Um, can you fill in a little more context there about how that works and, and why that's why there's that differenti- differentiation there? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think Carlo is maybe the first person to do the jump. No, maybe not. Well, anyways, he's like the sandbagger of all sandbaggers. And if he's taking the upgrade, then <laughs> it is quite a bit harder with the jump, I think. Um, and um, I think probably the height cutoff would be five eight maybe no maybe five seven depending on your um your wingspan um and i'm five five with even arms and um basically i knew i couldn't do the do the the heel hook um because i was pushed into the wall and like can't span it Mm. like with my hips fully in i can't get the heel or the toe cam um onto the foothold and i i can't actually touch the foothold um with my hips pushed fully in. Um, but yeah, just to go back a little, like the the conventional method is to kind of um, heel hook or toke him in this in the slot start hold, um, and then keep the keep the right foot on as you go up to like the left hand, and then cut your feet. Um, and the jump is you just go left foot onto the start hold and just um, jump um, to the next hold. 
And um, yeah, I, I think that kind of going back to an earlier question you asked, like after doing the swarm, it was like, okay, that was like hard for me, but Spectre is just like pretty next level. Um, and yeah, just not that many people have done it with the jump, obviously, like Sean Rabbit who flashed it with that method. And I think that's like probably one of the hardest flashes ever. <laughs> Um, but it's also like really in his style maybe and didn't feel that hard for him. So it's, it's totally just a personal grade. Um, mm. I think if you're, if you're jumping, maybe it feels easy for some people. I don't really know. Yeah. Well, when you're, when you're Sean Rabbitu, you might not have the best perspective on hard single move V13s or V14s anymore. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I mean, also to be fair, like I would expect him to be able to flash that grade. So it makes sense that. Like, it makes sense to me that he can flash single move B14. I'll uh, link to that video of him doing it for people listening. That's one of the most, that's one of the craziest uncut bouldering videos, short videos I've ever seen. Like, he he's like flashing this really classic, iconic hard boulder problem. And this gust of wind comes up. All of his pads blow away. He's like trying to top it out. People are scrambling around to get all his pads under him and stuff. Total chaos. Anyway. Very exciting. Um, Tell me about the process. Was this, uh, it seems like you've been working on it for most of the winter and it took quite a bit of time, but is that, is, yeah. What was your process like on it? Was it a big time investment? Yeah. Um, Yeah. I did three, two or three sessions on it last year. Um, So that would be winter 2022 or no, sorry, like January, 2022. Um, and didn't feel close at all. Like I could touch the hold, um, but was not like starting to hold any weight at all. Um, but was just like in Bishop. So was trying it. Um, and then kind of, I think probably fall 2022, I actually made like a set, set a goal to actually try and do it. Um, and really didn't know if it was possible. Um, and then had like maybe, six more sessions that it, or no, sorry, maybe four or five more sessions, um, where it felt like pretty similar. Like I was touching the hold, but not really holding weight, um, and not really like beginning to swing. And then kind of maybe around the sixth or seventh session, um, I like kind of made a breakthrough where my partner Keenan was pushing me, um, like giving me a power spot basically. Um, through the move and was just like gradually um, taking less weight. And it was to the point where like, he was literally like touching my back, like with one hand and then like not giving me any weight and I would do the move. But then um, when he wasn't touching my back, like when I was just trying without a power spot, I couldn't do the move. And Hmm. it was like, it was almost confusing because there was no way that he was taking more than like, five pounds um and it like shouldn't have been the difference and i was almost like well maybe it's like a mental barrier um like i need someone power spotting me else i feel like i can't do the move um but i i kind of like really broke that down and and realized that i was trying too much to like jump and pull down um instead of pulling in um and so then i started thinking about the move like pulling like into my chest as if as if Keenan was like pushing my hips in because he wasn't pushing me up he was just pushing me in Hmm. um and so I was like okay I think I actually just need to go in 
um, as far as I can and then like reach as if I was doing the move statically. So kind of like breaking it into two movements, um, like first pulling in and then reaching up and um, kind of then my like brain takes over and it's like, okay, no, I actually need to get the distance. I can't actually do this statically. And then so I do a little hop at the end. Um, And so by kind of like breaking it, breaking that move into two parts, um, I did the move like maybe my eighth session. um, And now I can like, I can do the move like two or three times a session. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. Cause I was going to ask, um, what it looked like to project this thing and what you learned from that process, because that type of boulder, when it's near your limit seems like, at least to me, maybe I have, I, I, yeah, I certainly have a lot more to learn about this style of projecting, but, um, it, it sometimes feels really unproductive to work on a power boulder like this. That's just a few really hard moves. You know, you're just out there throwing yourself at this hard move over and over and over again. It's like, what am I even doing out here? You know, is, is this getting me anywhere? Am I getting closer? Um, but yeah, the power spotting thing. I mean, there's a lot of research behind that sort of thing. And I think that's something that, um, is still pretty underutilized in hard climbing, like doing a slightly easier version of the move with assistance from a partner, um, to kind of groove that pattern. It's awesome how you broke that down. Tell me more about the process. Like what, what did a day of trying it look like early on? Was it just you going and trying this one hard move over until you couldn't anymore? Um, are you having different days to work on different sections of it? Are you only trying this thing? Is it just like consuming your whole life while you're focused on it? What did that look like? Yeah. um, For the most part, I think the first session I could do every move. The first move is actually like funny enough, like pretty hard for me because it's just huge. Um, And sometimes like my feet cut and it's like, oh God, now I'm like kind of gassed. But um, so there was a little bit of a process like getting um, the first move dialed and getting the transition dialed. But um, yeah, every other move like isn't very hard. Like after doing the crux, it's probably like V6 or something. Um, and um, yeah, so most of my sessions, I would try the move like 15 times. Which, um, which move is that just for context? Uh, the crux move. Yeah. Which move is that? Um, it's so you're matched on the like second hold. Um, which for most people is like sort of a pinch crimp. And for me, I'm just crimping the back. Um, so I'm, it's like probably a like quarter pad, um, crimp and I'm like, like, uh, close hand crimping the back instead of pinching, um, because I can't really reach with the thumb still pinching. Um, and then the crux move for me is you jump to the left hand rail. Um, and that hold is good, but it's, uh, really precise and if you like miss at all then you can't do it so um it's this like crimp with one good pointer spot mm-hmm. um so and... it's it's a big first move you match left foot goes on the start hold you jump really precise crux move jump third move mm-hmm. yeah it. and most yeah. people taller people i should say can either like toe cam or heel hook the start hold and do that move statically and then cut feet yeah exactly okay yeah, I shouldn't say static. It's like kind of a lerp, but um, their foot stays. Got it. Um, Got it. That's pretty cool, actually. Um, and yeah, so I would try to move like 15 times. Um, and then I would also just like 
train a little bit by um, holding the position. So I'd like get on my ladder, get the left hand and then the right hand like on the crux hold and then just like pull up and hold it in my shoulders. Um, and I think that probably helped a little bit or I would also jump, I would stack a few pads and then like be matched on the second hold and jump to the left hand as mm. if I was doing the crux, but just off a stack of pads. Um, and I would like make sure that I could hold the swing. Um, so yeah, those were like two, two things I did, um, that weren't just exactly trying the move. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, for the most part, there was people there. I didn't do that many solo sessions, um, just cause it's a really popular boulder and it's Bishop, um, in, uh, February or January something, it was really, really snowy. And so, um, I was kind of like hiking the, the long way and it was pretty, it was pretty alpine. Um, so Do, then it was sort so, of adventure bouldering. Yeah, the, the long way. So I'm imagining like you couldn't go all the way back to the pollen grains parking. Yeah. You're like parking. Uh, are you parking from like the main buttermilks parking lot? You park just below the main. Um, there's like a sign and it's, it's not like a parking sign. It's just a sign. I don't know what it says. Um, and I parked there and then that's epic. around. Yeah. It's actually not that far if you know where you're going. Um, but in the snow, you're like, I was like waist deep post holing. <laughs> so it was pretty funny, but yeah, <laughs> it's kind of crazy in the snow. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's for people listening, like that, that probably is making them like raise an eyebrow. Um, how does that work out? If there's that much snow on the ground, have you gotten up there somehow and like swept off the boulder? Are you, is there even a chance of topping it out if you do manage to stick the, you know, the, the hard moves? What does that all look like? Do you need like, Yeah. are you just landing in a snow pile? Like you don't even need to bring that many pads because you can just jump in the snow like a kid if you fall. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was pretty skeptical that it was going to be dry. Um, but the top out like just bakes in the sun and then the overhang is so steep that as long as it's not melting, it's actually not wet. Um, and so it was pretty much fully dry. And then, um, on one day I did like a little cleanup on the, um, on the shady side because it was starting to seep into the boulder, but it's pretty good when it, when it's snowy, um, the landing is dry and then like immediately outside of the landing is just all snow. So yeah, you don't like need to carry pads for the, um, the snowy section and jumping off of the down climb is a lot nicer in snow actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the, the hike is like the most heinous part um, by a lot. <laughs> and uh, were you trying other things? Like with, with something that powerful, with that few moves, um, I mean, you're an elite athlete and I'm, I'm certainly not, but I, I personally have a really hard time projecting something like that often. Like I don't do well if I climb on it like, you know, day on day off or something like that. Cause I feel like I haven't recovered in the specific ways that I need to, to do like the crux move. If it's like a single powerful move, um, were you mixing it up and trying other things or were you just going all in? Was it, was it important to get more time on it to kind of just learn the movement? Like what, yeah. How did you think about that? What, what did your approach look like? Yeah. Um, I'm usually like pretty one track minded when it comes to um, projecting, but as you say, like with single move power boulders, it's really hard to 
um, recover enough. Um, so I think I was taking at least two rest days between sessions. Sometimes I would just do a full two um, days off and then go back. Um, but other times I would mix in um, mandala sit. Um, I've been trying nice. that kind of like on and off and it's like really good power crimping for me um, and fairly skin friendly. The cracks and Bishop with like climbing on other things is your skin just gets bad. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm that, guessing that was pretty good. I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that you're the first and only person who's ever described Mandala sit as skin friendly. I could be totally off base <laughs> there, but that seems, no, that seems pretty ludicrous. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's funny. It's, um, it's actually because I do the bottom in a different way than most people. And I like grab these really polished footholds so they don't bite. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. But, yeah. <laughs> It's really not very skin friendly in the grand scheme of things. Um, and yeah, and then actually I made a few trips to Vegas um, because it's only like four hours away from Bishop. And one of the trips I actually tried the nest and like got this really bad split on my pointer, which mm. was um, a bummer. And I feel like made my next two Spectre sessions kind of bad. So I don't know. It's always hard to like try other things just because of skin. Um, but I do think it was probably helpful that I wasn't just like day on day off going to Spectre. Mm. I'm curious about your tick, your, uh, not ticks, your tricks, your tactics. You mentioned jumping off a stack of pads, which is obviously very smart for a dynamic move like that. Um, you mentioned getting on the ladder, which we can talk about more. Any other like tips and, and tricks that might surprise people who generally just go out climbing, bring their crash pads, bring their shoes, maybe they bring a fan, but kind of more general, you know, normal bouldering stuff. They're just trying the thing from the ground or from the highest position they can reach. Any other tricks that helped on this thing or things that might surprise people as far as your, your setup? Um, yeah, um, I think one thing that was helpful early on was I was just trying a ton of different grip positions on the right hand. Um, and ultimately like decided on kind of like what my intuition said about the grip and like, just went with my first option. But, um, uh, yeah, I was trying like a pinch or I was trying like a millimeter to the right. And these like, obviously don't sound very different because it's like, it's not a huge hold. You don't have that many options, but just like the subtleties of trying, um, like, wrapping the thumb versus like putting the thumb on a on a spike or um like putting my pointer finger like just to the right or like even like thinking about engaging my like ring finger harder like that that type of oh, thing wow. with the right hand um i think was helpful um because yeah because most people who do it with the jump like pinch the right hand or like half crimp it sort of and then jump to a slightly further left hold on the rail um and i actually knew that i couldn't do that way because i can't hold that position um it's like too wide for me um so that sort of eliminated a possibility but it was sort of just like i needed to in a way like find my own way on the jump even though it's like super subtle little mm. micro beta changes um and this was actually an interesting one i I had this moment where I went um, home to New England to visit my parents and I did this boulder um, suspect device in Bradley, Connecticut. And, um, and I was actually really struggling on the 
Hey friends, I hope you enjoyed that free teaser with Katie Lamb. This is a follow-up episode, so the full version is available right now for patrons who support the Nugget Climbing Podcast for $5 per month or more. You can listen to the full interview on audio or watch the full uncut video interview. My full episode with Katie is about an hour and 10 minutes. So a lot more great conversation with Katie. We went on to talk more about why she chose Spectre and why it was more meaningful to her than climbing V15. That was super cool. We talked about how she trained power for Spectre and talked about how she trains on a spray wall and how she lifts. We actually talked about that a lot at the very end of the conversation. We talked about dopamine snacks versus substance in climbing and why it's important to Katie to spend less time on Instagram and how she navigated her sponsorship with Patagonia as someone who doesn't want to spend much time on social media. We talked more about the video that is in the works for Spectre, her goals for 2023, how she keeps her training sustainable and what rest periods look like for her, her top five go-to lifts in the weight room and much, much more. So if you want to continue listening and hear the full follow-up, once again, it's available right now for patrons who support the show at patreon.com slash thenuggetclimbing. It just takes a few minutes to sign up. You can cancel at any time, no questions asked. And if you can't get enough of the show, you'll get access to almost 50 bonus episodes that I've done with past guests from the show. And a lot of those follow-ups are some of my favorite episodes that I've ever done. So check it out. I would be honored to have your support. It means the world to me, and that is what keeps this podcast going. Thank you all for listening today. I hope you will check out Patreon. I hope you're having an amazing week and we will see you next time. Like we do it.